Lord Jesus, you are indeed wonderful to all of us. It is an amazing thing that you would come and die for us, the righteous for the unrighteous, the pure and the perfect and holy and majestic one for the defile, the unclean, the unholy, the unrighteous. What a gospel that is. It would take us a trillion years to be able to just to gaze one syllabus understanding of that great act of love. And so here today, God, we are. We ask now by the power of your Holy Spirit, as we've prayed before, that you would come and now open up your word. That you would open up our hearts, remove any interference, anything that is not of you that would try to hinder your word from going forth into the heart of your people. Lord, you know the traumas, the pains, the scars, the heartaches and the confusion that many are facing right now, not only here, but all over America and all over the world. This didn't catch you by surprise. You saw it before you created the world. This thing called fatherhood, and you knew the kind of pain that it would bring to people. Come now, Holy Spirit. Breathe on your servant. Clear my thoughts. And take the words of my heart, of my heart and the meditations of my mind and make it clear to your people. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we have a lot of scripture to read, and so you can remain seated as I read from John chapter 8, verses 12 to 47. And we have lots of scripture, and you're calling this, um, you can go back, Jeremiah. All of life is about finding your true father, or should I say our true father. Here we go. John chapter 8. And Jesus spoke to them again. He says, I am the light of the world, cosmos, and anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, Greek word skotos, but would have the light of life. And so the Pharisees, religious people, people who know the word of God, said to him, you are testifying about yourself and your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know where I'm come from or where I am going. And you judge by human standards and I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the father who sent me. Even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Then they ask him, where is your father? You know, neither me nor my father. Jesus answered, if you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple. But no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. And then he said to them again, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. And where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, we, he wants to kill himself. Will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below, he told them, and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. And therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. 
For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They question exactly what I have been telling you from the very beginning. Jesus told them, I have many things to say to you to say and to judge about you. But the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. They did not know he was speaking to them about the father. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the father taught me, I say these things. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. And as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin and a slave does not remain in the household forever. But as a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the father. So then you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality they said, we have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father. The devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. And who among you can convince me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's word. And this is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. Now you can stand. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may be seated. Happy Father's Day. Now let me move on from that. Father's Day, like Mother's Day, it conjures up lots and lots of emotions. Lots and lots of emotions. Both good and bad. 
But fatherhood, according to the social science research, seems to um, contribute much more to a child's development as that of a mother. And the perceived rejection of a father creates a larger ripple on personality than any other type of human experience. And there was a study done in 2012 of 36 international studies of nearly 11,000 parents and children. And from that study, it showed that healthy fathers environment created less hostility, independence, healthy self-esteem, feelings of adequacy, emotional stability, and responsiveness, and a positive world view. Uh, a lady by the name of Jennifer Swartz wrote a document that was sponsored by the Department of Justice, the federal government, called The Effect of Father Absence and Father Alternatives on the Female and Male Rates of Violence in 2004. She states, the disappearance of family-centered males from communities has generated concern among policymakers and criminologists alike. Since past research on the family structure of a community has revealed that father absence to be a consistent and potent predictor of variation in levels of violence across the ecological context, end quote. That's Jennifer Schwartz. This is no easy subject to talk about. And I know probably more than most because fatherlessness was a part of my own journey and you will hear some of that. And so this is not an easy subject to talk about because of the amount of pain, confusion, suffering of emotional traumas, heartaches, conflictions, should I love them, should I hate them, that is connected to the subject of fatherhood. But here today, the backdrop theme from our story in chapter eight is a conversation all about fatherhood. If you were listening very well as I was reading, the word father here in John is mentioned 16 times. I believe the Holy Spirit is, is definitely trying to tell us something as it did in the old color purple movie. I think God is trying to tell us something. God is trying to tell us something in this chapter eight here in John about father. The word father in Greek is the word pater, which means generator of or male ancestor is where we get the word genealogy or generations. And metaphorically, the word means originator and transmitter of anything that of a family and that of a society. Father, pater. And we see here that Jesus is having a conversation with the Jews, the Pharisees, religious people, the people who are the covenant people of God, which means they are the people that God has been in relationship with through his promises that he made to Father Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And they are the people that God has given to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law which was written by Moses. And they have the Psalms, and the prophets, which all of them speak to and foretell the coming of the Messiah, which Jesus speaks of in Luke himself, 
that all of these things were written about him. They spoke of him coming into the world. But we see here in the chapter verse 12, we see Jesus starting out by saying that I am the light. I am the light in a dark world. So if you're in the fog here this afternoon, your mind is confused. You're, you're, you're burning down with all kinds of uh, weights and, and burdens and anxieties. I pray that Jesus the Christ will become your light. He says that I am the light of the world, cosmos, the world that we live in. And anyone who follows me, Jesus says, he will never walk in darkness. Skull tells he would never walk in darkness. But he would have the light of life. Jeremy, put verse 12 up of, of John 8. Jesus says, and he will have the light of life. See that? But he will have the light of life. The word life is a word we quote here often. You should know it by now. Zoe life. Promised land life. That he or she will have the light of life. A light unto your pathway. Jesus says, he is the light of the world. He who follows him, believes in him, that they will have life. True life. Not a half Excuse me, not a half life, but a true life, life as God has intended it for us to have. Zoe life. And Jesus goes on to say, after he makes this statement here in verse 12, and it is this statement here that he makes about himself that conjure up with the leaders and the Pharisees some questions surrounding this ideal of father, which in verse 13, I mean, verse 19, go to verse 19, Jeremiah. After some discussion, started verse 18. Jesus says, I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. And from that statement that Jesus makes, it now leads to this. And then they ask him, where is your father? And Jesus says, you, neither, you know neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. And if you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus' response is an important one for us to understand, for us to really get what I'm trying to go here in the sermon and understanding the rest of the conversation surrounding fatherhood. Because they asked Jesus, where is your father? Ask the God man. Can you imagine human? Humans are, humans are something else. <laughs> I got to give it to him. I said, God, you're better than me. <laughs> They're asking the almighty as he's looking at them. Where's your father? <laughs> and probably not in a very nice way. And Jesus responds, you know, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. In this statement and reply back from Jesus, he is saying to the Pharisees and the Jews, the religious people, the covenant people of God. Jesus is really trying to convey something here in his response. Jesus is saying to them and he's saying to us that knowing him is a direct connection to knowing the father. Which is the remedy to all of our fatherlessness. That's what he's saying. So I'm the light. I'm testifying of him. And they say, where's your father? And Jesus says, if I'm, I'm trying to communicate something to you. And so I want us to understand that Jesus is com communicating that knowing him is a direct line and connection to knowing the father which is the remedy to all of our fatherlessness. And then Jesus goes to John 21 to 29. Jeremiah, put 21 and 29 up. Just go up to verse 21. And then in this part of the chapter, of the, in, in, in the context of John 8, and then Jesus begins to, 
once again, he begins to reiterate his mission of why he has come into this world. And then he said to them again, so he's already said it before, but Jesus has in the habit of like good preachers should, you should always repeat yourself because people have forget for hearing. They can remember the rap rhymes more than they can remember the word of God. So you got to repeat it. Then he said to them again, I'm going away and you will look for me and when you will die in your sin. Notice Jesus is always sin, life, sin, life. Jesus has his theology down pat. He's always got sin in the context when he's speaking. He said, then you will die in your sin and where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself. Will he? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. You are from below. He told them, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you would die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You can take it to the bank. And them Jews like, who are you? <laughs> they question exactly what I have been telling you from the very beginning. I am he, the one who's been sent. Jesus told them, how many things to say? I have many things to say and to judge about you. But the one who sent me is true. And what I have been what I have heard from him, these things I tell the cosmos, I tell the world. And they did not know he was speaking to them about the father. And so Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man cross. He died on the cross. He said, when you see me lifted up high off the ground, I won't be floating like some of the fake musicians, but I'll be hanging from the air on an old rugged cross. When you see that, when you see the son of man that will be lifted up, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, that I've come to fulfill the mission and the vision that my father sent me to do. But just as the father taught me, I say these things and the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because he all because I always do what pleases him. So Jesus is saying he's reiterating the mission and the vision that the father has sent him. Verse 30. And as he was saying these things. The gospel was going out. Many believed in him. And then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue my word, you are really are my disciples. And you will know the truth, the gospel truth, and this truth will set you free. Let me pause here for a moment. Notice what Jesus is saying. You will know the truth. It's not an added truth onto Jesus' truth. That will set you free. You will know the truth because Jesus is the truth. And is that truth then the reality resting on your heart? That's the truth that will really set you free. That's the truth that will set you free no matter what you're experiencing here today. No matter what your background has been, no matter what you've been born and what situation you've come out of. If you know that truth. That's the truth. Jesus says that truth will set you free. Not an added truth, that truth. It will truly set you free. Keep going, Jeremiah. And so. But they got into a conversation as he's speaking about this. They said, we are the descendants of Abraham. And they answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus responded, I truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin, is a slave of sin. As a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Verse 36. And so if the son sets you free, you really will be free, Jesus says. 
And then he goes on down to verse 37, 38. And I want to read this slow. I'm going to come back to it. And then he says, I know, Jesus says, that you are descendants of Abraham. Jesus is not denying that. He said, I know because I made you. I know that you're descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me. Note that. You are trying to kill me. I know that you are descendants of Abraham because my word has no place among you. And then he says, I speak what I have seen in the presence of the father. So then you do what you have heard. Now, let me read it again. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the father. So then you do what you have heard from your father. So Jesus is making a, a distinction. I'm speaking what I heard from my father and what you're speaking, you're getting it from your daddy, your father. And so what's happening here? It's not about fatherlessness. Jesus has really helped me. Let me say that Jesus rebuked me this week. I speak a lot about fatherlessness and God just really gently as, as a servant of him. And he says, you, you, you're doing good, but you haven't gone quite far enough. And so this part of this has kind of corrected me on some things that I've said from the pulpit and you're going to see it here. And so in this text, so because I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but but you're going to see it. So here in verse 37 and 38, and I got my statement here. Jesus is, is this statement here. It's, it's not about fatherlessness. But it is more important in understanding which father are you serving? And are you recognizing who your true father is? Because they think that their father is the same one that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus, oh, no, you're not talking about my father. You're talking about your father. I almost tired the sermon, which father are you serving? It's not about fatherlessness. Everybody in the room has a father. But are you serving and worshiping the true father? We're all father in this room by someone. They were father. But who was fathering them? It's a question. So Jesus is saying, it's not about fatherlessness, but it's more about understanding which father are you serving and recognizing who your true father is. And so the Jews in this conversation with Jesus are not biologically fatherless. These guys had a natural dad around, most of them. I would probably attest to. They were not like me. They had their daddy probably had his last name and knew who he was. They had been trained by him and all of the above. But yet Jesus was saying to them that the father that they had and what they were doing and how they were thinking was not the father that he was representing. And so the Jews in this conversation with Jesus are not biologically fatherless. But their actions and the deeds that they have line up with the characteristics of a spiritual father who is not good, but is fueled by murder and all forms of violence. Remember what Jennifer Schwartz says. And the research shows. I think God is always trying to paint mental pictures for us. Why is there a link in a biological sense to fatherlessness that seems to create a unending, never ending um, cycle of violence in all communities, not just black communities. It's across the world. And so Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and Jews who who are not biologically fatherly. The dads are around. 
But yet, he says, what you're speaking is from your father. Which father is he talking about? Well, it tells you. Verse 39, 41. They say, well, our father is Abraham. They replied, no, they're going to fight Jesus. Jesus is battling that. No, but Jesus is bad. So he, well, he already know where they're going. So he just want to ride with them. He probably pulled his glasses down and said, well, he didn't have glasses because he could see. <laughs> if I would have been out to pull my glasses down. <laughs> so he's looking at them. He's debating with them. They say, our father is Abraham. They replied. He said, if you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did, which is what? He obeyed God. He didn't try to kill God. He obeyed God. But now you are trying to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Jesus made it very clear. Abraham, I know because I was there. You go to the rest of the chapter. He talks about Abraham. Before Abraham was, I was. I was there before Abraham. I saw him. I was the one that called him out of the land of the Chaldeans. And then they picked up stones and tried to kill him. But that's a whole nother subject. So Jesus knows where he's going with the conversation. He says, Abraham did not do this. You are doing what your father does. What father is he referring to? We weren't born of sexual immorality. Man, this is a sermon right here. So they're going like, oh, they're going to try to trap God now. We were not born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father. He's God. So what are they trying to get at with this statement they make to Jesus? The word sexual immorality here in the Greek is the word pornania, a pornea, which means to be it's unsanctioned sexual relations. They're saying in one translation, this word uh, sexual immorality, we're not illegitimate. My mom used to use that word. My mom would say the word when you were born outside of wedlock, they call you illegitimate. You see that in the King James Version. That's what they use down south in Sardis. There's another word they would use, I'm not going to say, but you can spell it. It starts with a B. That was, a, that was what they would call kids that were not born out of what they call marriage um, um, situations. So this is this word here. And so the Jews are telling Jesus, hey, man, we were not um, illegitimate. You better get your theology right. So they're, 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 they're barking with Jesus. And this word in sexual immorality, it means unsanctioned sexual relations, adultery, incest, non-married heterosexual relationships, homosexual, lesbian relationships, anything outside the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. God says that's sin. That's pornonia. That's pornea. That's not how I design how sex should be used. And so the Jews are saying, hey. We weren't born of sexual immorality. We know who our dads are. We come from the line of Abraham. We can go all the way back. I know which tribe I'm from. My daddy lives down the so-and-so street. He didn't shake up with my mom. I know who my daddy is in the natural sense. We're not born of sexual immorality, they say. But yet Jesus is telling them, that the father that they do have is not of the one that he's about. We live in a world, in our contemporary world, where over 40% of children are born to illimited. <laughs> illegitimacy out of wedlock. 40% of American children are born out of wedlock, according to, and that's all children, black, white, Hispanic, Native Americans, you name it. But I'm gonna break it down to ethnic groups. For the black community, it's way over 72% and higher in some cities and states and countries, I mean, in parts of America, 72%. That's on average. 
I'd probably say in Fairfield, it's probably more like 90. Um, the American Indian, Alaska Natives is about 68%. Hispanics is about 50%. Whites is about 29 to 30%. And Asians are about 12%. And so all of these children being born on a wetlock here in America, the country we all love, all of this leads to, in many sense of the word, it leads to a fatherlessness in most cases, where the father is not there and children are growing up with their grandparents and moms, and et cetera. And so I, I wanted you to focus in on what the Jews said as they're arguing with Jesus that we're not born of sexual immorality. And I wanted you to break, understand what they are trying to combat with Jesus, that they've been born out of a right way. And so therefore, they, are, they know who their father is, his father Abraham, and they know who their father father is, which all leads back to Abraham, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So they understand that. But to bring this practically into the room, the Jews are arguing here that we know who our fathers are. We go back to Abraham. So the question for us, so what is the hope for humanity with so much biological fatherlessness? What is the hope for us here in Fairfield? Because we surely can't go back and say, <laughs> we're not born of sexual immorality. So what's the hope? Where do we go? What's the hope for many of us who have grown up without good role models of fathers and et cetera? This is where the Lord really rebuked me a little bit. What's the hope? And he wants to make sure that I'm giving the right hope. What's the hope? Because the Jews are bragging there. Hey, we're not born of sexual immorality. But in the culture we live in, it would be flipped on the other side. So what's the hope for them? Well, this conversation that Jesus is having, and I put this in a question format, how does this conversation that Jesus is having with these ethnic Jews help us to recognize and to find our true father? Verse 42, 46. And Jesus said to them, and there are two points I want to bring out from this, this conversation that Jesus is in with these Pharisees, religious Jews people who are probably coming for the most part with intact families. And then Jesus is having a conversation with them. And so Jesus said to them, if God were your father, he said, you would love me. Because I came from God and I'm here for I did not come on my own, but he sent me. But why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. And he says, you are of your father. Now he's been saving up for this. He said, you're of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. What's his desires? Remember the woman who's doing the research, Jennifer Schwartz, she says, the federal government really don't know, but there's some connection with fatherlessness to violence and murder. It just kind of seems to go that way. We don't really know what it is. We just go to school, get all these books, we read them, and we just follow people's lives. It just seems to end up that way. We don't understand why. But here Jesus, God man, is talking to some people. He says, you're not of my father, which is love, because if you love, if you had him, it always kind of goes love way. You're not of him, you are the other small God, father. And he says, you want to carry out his desires. What are those? Murder. <laughs> Was the case that you gave me? 
Some of y'all caught that. That's hip hop from the 90s. Snoop. Murder, murder, mace. So I can just go there because I know that stuff. It just seems to follow murder. You just want to seem to carry out his desires. Because that joker has been killing from the beginning. And though and does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. And when he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. First point takeaway from this that we can get from this conversation that Jesus is having with these ethnic Jews that will be a blessing to you. Jesus conversation with these ethnic Jews who had earthly fathers. He said who had earthly fathers that their greatest issue was their spiritual condition of fatherhood, not their earthly. It was their spiritual condition of fatherhood and not their biological condition. So that's good news for you. Because if you grew up with no earthly father, he walked out before you even came down your mother's womb. He was already gone. He was already a rolling stone like the temptation said. What does that mean for you here today? What does that mean for me who grew up with no dad? What's the hope that I have? Can I go back and go up to heaven, get my daddy out and come back and walk with me, throw the baseball to me, rub my head, which I have no hair now? What's the hope? And what Jesus was trying to say is not your earthly father that is good to have one to model to you. But it's more importantly, Jesus says, is to have your spiritual connection to me, which is to the Father, for I am the light of the world. I am your true hope. I am your true generator. I am your true source. I am your true life. And so if you're here today, Saying, man, I have been so traumatized by my earthly dad by being there. That you have hope. Because Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter whether he was there or not. If you understand who I am. And the second point out of this conversation that Jesus has with the Jews that Jesus is making is that the conversation that he, he's having with the Jews, it tell us that Jesus is the door to finding our true father. He is that door. He is that one that leads us to the true father, which is his father. He is the one. He is our true generator. He's our true identity. He is our true life. And it doesn't matter. This is a hope that God wanted me to understand. It doesn't matter. With all the kids that are being born, this is what God can say in his scriptures, that I am a father to the fatherless. And most of us cannot say that we were born in situations and conditions that were not in line with the word of God and how we got here. That doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus is knocking at your door. He's knocking at your heart and that he is our true life and that it doesn't matter the biological way and way we came into being. And then Jesus spoke to them in John 8, 12. He spoke to them he, when he said, I spoke to them again. And he said, I'm the light of the world and anyone who follows me would never walk in darkness, but they would be have the light of life. They would have the Zoe. They would have the false is the word light, Greek word. Light, this light that overcomes the darkness and you would have the light of life, Jesus says. Satan is not a good father because his nature is always to do violence and to commit murder and to cause mayhem and destruction in the world. But Jesus says, and he said it over and over again throughout this conversation with the Jews, he says, I am he. Meaning this, this word, it goes back to when, when, when Moses said, God, who did I tell the, 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 the people of God who's sending me? He said, tell them I am. 
tell him I am, I am he. I'm Yahweh. I'm everything you want me to be. I'll be your mama. I'll be your father. I'll be your brother. I'll be your sister. I'll be your cousin. I'll be your best friend. I'll be your healer. I'll be your mind regulator. I'll be the creature of your thirst. I am God. You can't box me in. I'm everything to you. I'm your friend when you have no friends. I'm your mother and your father when your mom and your dad abandoned you. That's what David says in the Psalms. God says, I am everything you need me to be. And now what does this mean? What does this really mean to us here today? What does this mean when Jesus says that I'm the light of the world? What is he saying to us? I'm everything to you. Because the truth of the matter is, we're in a community, in a world where there are hardly no dads around. And so what hope do we share with people who've been traumatized by the absentee of fathers? Who've been abused by their dads? Who've been stepped on where their moms and their dads have been beaten up and stepped on them and everything? What do we share with them? And Jesus says, I am he. Meaning I'm everything you need me to be. You're looking at a kid. Look at me. You're looking at a kid that grew up with no touch of masculinity. None. We live in America. There are 8 billion people on the planet. And we praise God for medicine and counselors and physicians that we can go to in America. But where do you go when you're in a third world? Does this stuff really matter? Is Jesus who he says he is? Because God, they put me in a sex trade thing and I've been raped by millions of men. Can God be a mind healer and a regular? Or do I need to crawl through every valley to find a counselor so that I can be made whole? Or is Jesus... Says who he says he is right now here today. And you're struggling in your mind. Can he heal you? Because that's what he did to me. When I didn't have no money to go to no counselor. I didn't have no one to go talk to me. I needed a father who would sit with me. And who would tell me that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And that I could be what he wanted me to be. And I didn't have not one ounce of money to go to a counselor. He was my counselor. And he is yours. If you have the money to go see a doctor, praise God. But not everyone in the world has a doctor they can go see. But they do have one who sits on a holy mountain on the throne. And he says he's a good father. And he knows each tear that falls. I cry to God. I don't know what happened to me in Sardis. But I know some bad stuff happened to me. More than I probably even want to understand. Not only to me, my family members, voodoo, all kind of stuff around us. I couldn't talk. I was messed up in my head. I was scared of my shadow. But I tell you what I did, saints. And I tell y'all, and I end here. I said, God, you say you're a father. And you know how fatherless I am. And this is what I'm trying to tell people in Fairfield. Your dad may not ever come around. I can't do anything about that. It's not about him. It's about whether you understand who your true father is today. Sims, that's what you got to tell the kids in the school. It's not whether they get their dads back in their lives, they get out of prison. That may or may not happen. And we don't have enough counselors. But we do have one where the wall has been torn down. And you don't got to go all the way to Jerusalem to meet with him. You can meet with him right now here today. And his spirit is real and his spirit is hovering all over this room. And he's saying, I'm there for you. Talk to me. Ask me to heal those crevices in your heart. Say, I want to trust people because I have been abandoned. And you know when you abandon a dog and you try to get him back, he bites at you. That's what a lot of us like because we, we, God knows it. But God said, let me in there. I'm a good, good father. That's who I am. That's who I am. 
God said, I'm a good, good father. Let me in there. Let me get in there. Let me heal. So you keep wondering why I keep doing this, why I keep failing, why I keep falling. It's because Satan is a bad father. He's the worst kind. He's the one say, here's the drugs, here's the alcohol, here's the sex, here's the gambling, here's this, here's that. He's Satan. God don't give you drugs. God gives you his spirit. So where are we going to go? This is where you bow your heads, Father. You're in this room today. You've been, how's you got me today? I've been abandoned. I'm trying to tell you, he's the true father. And so I'm going to pray, bow your heads. You know what's going on in your own heart. I see in part, we know in part, God sees the whole story. Some of you are struggling with all kinds of issues. And it's true, fatherless creates, but it's only reflecting the real reality. It's the spiritual father that's missing. True Abba. Father, right now, over the room, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are a masterful surgeon. You are a masterful doctor. You're a father to the broken of brokenness, Lord. You're a good father. Thank you, Father, for helping me to see that it wasn't enough to get people to be married and have children to be in families. The Jews had that. But what they didn't have is that they didn't have you, the true father. And they were still operating under the old father, which is Satan himself. And you wanted me to see this, Lord, that at the end of the day, all of these things are just temporary, fathers and mothers, but you are eternal. You're from everlasting to everlasting. And so here today, Father, I pray by your power and your grace that you would begin, Lord God, to bring healing, God, into my hearts, physical hearts, physical bodies, Lord. Wounds and scars and traumas, Lord, that have been in people's bodies for years. Still waiting for daddy to come by and write a letter or to call them. Still holding grudges and anger against mom and grandmom and, and all kinds of people. But Lord, here today, you are, you are the great emancipator. You're the great liberator. God, we can't free ourselves. God, I couldn't heal myself. You know I couldn't. I tried everything. I tried to drink it out. I tried to just, Lord, it was too much. But you, Lord, just in one day, in one moment, Lord, you brought, you brought, you brought wholeness. You brought healing, God. You made me well. You made me whole. And God, I pray that you will make people whole today. God, set the captives free, Father. Them that are bound with all kinds of addictions, Lord, pouring out near pornography, God, that you would set them free, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. That you would set them free, Father. Father, we can't do this work in Fairfield if you don't set the children free, Father. God, set the kids free from urban health development. You hope success. God, you see those wounds in those students. God, you see their, their brokenness, Lord. God, come to Fairfield and heal the land, Jesus Almighty. Come, Lord God Almighty, and heal the land, Father. Heal us in this room, Father so that we can be missionaries of healing to other people, Lord God. Come, Holy Father, and be a good, good Father to us. Come, Lord. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Pastor Chad.